0: Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Reflections Podcast for First Baptist Church of Washington, Michigan. We're glad that you've taken the time to listen to our conversation. And as always, we want to start by reminding you that our conversation is meant to be had within the context of this morning's lesson from our church. So if you have not listened to Pastor Phil's sermon from this morning, stop listening to us, go listen to him. And then come back to us, and you'll get much more benefit out of what we have to say if you have listened to Pastor Phil first. Uh, today was part two of Pastor Phil's uh, sermon uh, on James five thirteen through 18, A Living Faith and Prayer. So we're looking forward to getting into that. But before we begin, real quick, just a shout out to the guys who are here with me, Kevin Fitzgerald and David Payton. How are you, Kevin?
1: doing very well
0: good good to have you with us david how are you
2: very good thanks brother
0: good glad to have you guys here with me and uh we'll get right to it james chapter 5 verses 13 through 18 i'll read the passage and then we'll get to our discussion is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing praise if anyone is anyone among you sick And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Amen. Uh, So why don't we start off the way we always do any big ideas that stuck out to you guys from the lesson today?
1: There's a number of things, but I think specifically the persistence that pastor Phil really highlighted Tied in with just Elijah being a man. And I think oftentimes we, as we read the scriptures, we look at specifically Elijah in the first Kings where he's just, I mean, it's really a example of how God works through prayer with the raising of the widow's son, uh, the oil and the bread being, I mean, just on and on and on it goes, but the persistence being highlighted. And I was thinking about that and considering it even this afternoon, why we stop praying for maybe somebody to get saved that we prayed for years for. And I know my grandfather, ever since I was a little kid we prayed for him to get saved uh, and it wasn't until he was 86 and Hmm. I have other family members of my mom who are still unsaved and yet I sometimes fail to pray for them and I specifically was such a great example of my grandpa being saved so late in life why is it that I would not have the faith that God could save my uncle as well and not only do we have personal examples as I was thinking about this we have the scriptures are replete with examples of that, where God overcomes all odds, as it would seem, all human reason. My favorite, probably my favorite thing is an Exodus chapters, Exodus chapter two, uh, with the, the midwives and the whole Moses in the basket episode where God's sovereignty is just like on full display. And that mm-hmm. was, I guess, something I would put out to whoever's listening and us um, ask ourselves why. We don't, pers- why do we, why do I not persist in praying for things when we have such a God who's able to overcome all?
2: I think one of the things that holds us back too often, and this is, um, I think, something that was a, perhaps a, a, uh, a sense or a conviction as, as Pastor Phil was preaching, was like, <laughs> whenever the subject of prayer comes up, whether it be in church or whether it be in a book that we're reading, it's like an instantaneous guilt inducer to every believer um because we could always be praying more we could always be praying more fervently um and that's because we could always have more faith ultimately um but the encouragement about elijah being a man just like us um i mean he he was he really went from like strength to weakness uh after the the, the prophets of Baal were killed. Uh, I mean it's like you know why would you run away from Jezebel after the Lord had shown such incredible signs um, and in the same way you look at like David when he was chased out of his out of his his home out of Jerusalem, uh, he was on the run and then he comes to uh, I forget the name of the city, but it was ruled by Abimelech and he he, he acted like a madman before Abimelech. But in the parallel psalm that is written to accompany um, David's praise to the Lord for his deliverance, he said that the Lord heard my prayer. Um, and the irony there is that David was like bearing false witness about his his mental health. <laughs> but the Lord still, um, he still acknowledged that it was the Lord's deliverance of him. Um, and so here's a man who like is... He's bearing the punishment for the sin that he committed with Bathsheba. Um, and he's, he's running away and, and he's changing his behavior, but the Lord still hears him. Um, and that's encouraging to us because we're just the same as him. Um, we're the same as Elijah. And uh, I think the bottom line is that it's not, it's not our prayers, but it's the God to whom we pray uh, that avails much and therefore prayer avails much.
1: I think you could add like Moses and I've been reading Jeremiah in my personal time with the Lord and the, the prayer, sometimes the things they say is like, wow, like this is not a perfect prayer by any stretch. And it almost seems you almost feel awkward when Moses telling God he's doing something wrong and God's still here. Like, just like David is saying like that, like the more you dig into that, more I think about it, there's like more examples seem to hop up all over the place.
0: And something you guys both brought up there that I kind of want to I want to delve into a little bit. um you both mentioned the idea of persistence and how how easy it is for us to kind of pray for something and then give up on praying um and even sometimes we give up because of our guilt you know mm-hmm. that persistence is is limited in that way um, so given given that you know in our in the message today pastor Phil exhorted us with these four kind of conclusion concluding responses as they come up I kind of want to do I do kind of want to poke at them a little bit Uh, we've mentioned praying with persistence that was the first one so given the fact that that's been something that we've already talked about how then do we pray with persistence what does that actually look like
2: well I think um, one of the most obvious things to to say is that prayer doesn't have to be Confined to the prayer closet, we can pray continuously um, as we're going through our day. Just like um, our, my old pastor in South Africa used to call it arrow prayers, um, you just shoot a quick arrow up to heaven uh, in a matter of a few words or, or a sentence. Um, and you've even got biblical uh, examples of that. Um, was it? Uh, it was as, it was um, Nehemiah before the, the Persian king. He, like he 's right there he's really worried like the the king has observed this guy's face has changed he 's looking sad what's going on uh, and his his uh, his hands start sweating because he's worried that he's going to be put to death because he's supposed to look happy with this uh, great Persian uh, emperor and he shoots a prayer up to heaven and asks the Lord for help um, and the Lord clearly answers it so so i'd say perhaps that's one one practical way.
1: I think something that has maybe helped me more, be more consistent in my prayer, which in hand-in-hand in hand, being persistent as you actually are doing it, is uh, I know Pastor Phil talked about um, the types of prayers that we pray, you know, for people's well-being, you know, to get better, for instance. But as you read the scriptures, it really does help your prayers. You pray the scriptures as you're reading them and back. And that is, I think, uh, I think that helps us as Christians give more, maybe, what to say not that god needs our perfect prayers as we already discussed to pray to him or listen to us but when we're i don't know about you guys but if we're just praying the same thing like help this person get better help this get first you know it gets repetitive but as we read the scriptures and we're praying um even through the book of james that we would have unity that our church would be in part. you know we're praying these things for one another or specifically in the needs that come up in the church. I think that helps us be more persistent. And when we think about it. We put God's words <laughs> with our words back to him. And I think that that has helped me anyways, become a better. Pr- that sounds, you guys know what I'm trying to say. It helps yeah. us in our prayer mature in the way we pray. Not that it qualifies us, but in the way we speak to God. If that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think a great, a great, um, model prayer that really does help us there is the Lord's prayer. Um, and I, I mean, one of the things that has really stuck out to me, just even from the Lord's prayer, just as you were mentioning, praying for other people in that way. Um, uh, when we, uh, when we were praying for people for, for church, like when I'm, when I'm taking a bulletin back when we had bulletins and, um, <laughs> praying, praying through the, the church members that we're praying for every week, um, Praying for things for them like, you know, Lord, please don't lead them into temptation, but please deliver them from evil. Um, mm-hmm. And praying those sorts of prayers for people in, in some way, you you begin to recognize that your prayer has a much bigger significance than please help them have a good day. Like you're actually praying that they would be delivered from temptation, that they would not face, that they would not fall into fall into temptation. And so, I mean, you bring that up, that the Lord's prayer really is um, a helpful model uh, for us as, um, as we look at praying, praying scripture and using that to influence our prayer life and helping us be more persistent and consistent in our prayers uh, using, using the Lord's prayer as a model for sure. Yeah. I I actually had a professor at Donut School. Kyle also had uh, Dr. Coleman.
1: Uh, He'll know. Um, he talked about the Lord's Prayer in a worship class. And so we're talking about the way we worship, all that happens here corporately and personally. And he talked about the Lord's Prayer in relationship to prayer, obviously. And I always wondered, I don't know, probably many of you have wondered before, like, how do you use that as a model? Like, what does that mean? And he gave us a demonstration, not like he was praying in front of <laughs> us, but he gave us a demonstration of how he uses it. And he basically would take each line and he would just stay there as long as, You know he deemed necessary. So he said, some days he stops right at the beginning and our Father in heaven, and he would pray. Things just come to our mind as we consider the transcendence of God, that God is in heaven and I am on earth, and that opens up almost like a well of just outpouring of his soul, reaffirming promises and conversation. And he said, other times, you know, it depended on the day. But I think as you do that, you will see that different days, (laughs) different things in that prayer are more pertinent. The Spirit uses in your life to bring things to mind or to pray things for others. And I think that was a very, very helpful way of actually giving an example of what is a model? How do I actually use this? Do I just repeat it like a, you know, Mm -hmm. a hail Mary or something, but actually working your way consciously through each line as um, you're led.
2: Yeah. I've, I've, I've used the Lord's prayer as the framework for my prayers. Like since I can kind of remember in my Christian life, um, I mean, it's, it's the most, um, I think it provides the most spiritually logical um, framework for praying that you could possibly imagine. Um, I mean, it's the framework that the the most perfect man, God man ever gave for prayer. Um, It was what he gave his disciples when they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, And, and the, the the framing of it really, I think it almost parallels the, uh, the 10 commandments as well, just in terms of orientation. So, you know, you've got, you've got in the preface to the 10 commandments, you've got um, here, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Um, And then in the beginning of the Lord's prayer, you've got our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he's, um, Jesus is saying, in your minds and in your hearts, elevate God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into that place of preeminence where, where he should be. Um, in the same way that the Ten Commandments focus on um, the glory and character of God as, as primary. Um, and then as you go through the Ten Commandments, you've got this like vertical orientation first, and then a horizontal. And in the same way, the Lord's Prayer is exactly the same. You've got the vertical components. Are, they come first, which is um, hallowing or the the setting apart of God's name, um, his kingdom, his will. Um, and only then, after that, g- does the prayer get into um, petitions. You know, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Um, forgiving us our trespasses, leading us not into temptation. Um, And so so that horizontal component of our praying um, actually just comes second. And interestingly, it even comes, what I've always found interesting about that is that forgive us our trespasses comes like later on in the Lord's prayer. So maybe before I go into like why I think that's the case, why, why do you guys think that that's the case? And what significance does that have to encourage us in our prayers?
0: Well, I, w- I would say the, the thing that immediately strikes me with that is um, we, we don't understand forgiveness until we understand the God against whom we have sinned. Um, we don't understand the gospel until we understand that someday we're going to stand before a holy God and we have wronged him. It's not just that when I've sinned against Kevin, I've wronged Kevin. And so I, I, I think that part of why it may be that forgiveness comes a little bit later is there needs to be an establishment of who God is so that forgiveness actually means something.
1: Yeah. I'd go along with that. The other thing I was seeing, even on the opposite side, not only the negative side of, wow, I'm sinning against this person, this person with this character, but also knowing God drives us to repentance. So the more we dwell on God's attributes and the way that God interacts with human beings and the work that he's done in Christ, but also being faithful to Israel in the old Testament, I mean, over and over and over again, that draws me to want to repent to God and run to him and cast my sin on him. Yeah. I think that's, I think we probably hit two sides of the same coin. There. Yeah. That, that's
2: exactly, I think what, what, where my question was aiming. Um, is that is that in our prayers we praying to a God who is both transcendent and imminent so transcendent means he's above us he's glorious he's way beyond anything we can begin to imagine um, in terms of holiness and glory and power Um, but then he's imminent as well Um, which means that he's near us and he's come down to us uh, in the person of the Lord Jesus. And he, he draws near us by the presence of the Holy spirit. So, so we, we actually have both uh, like what could be regarded as an understanding of God's character that would repel us from going to him, which is his transcendence. But then another aspect of his character, which, would, which draws us to him, which is his eminence and his goodness. Um, and so I think that's why Jesus starts the prayer by saying, uh, our father who is in heaven. So while he is God, he's actually our father and we can approach him as such, no matter what we've done. Um, and therefore, we can always have confidence to draw near to him. Um, and so, so it's, it's because I think if we place sin and repentance, um, as like the first port of call, um, the, the danger can be almost like you wanting to earn your way back into his presence and Jesus has already earned our way into his presence. So let's, uh, let's glorify him and glorify the Lord Jesus by going into his presence and then repenting there.
0: I appreciate you bringing up there um, that idea that you know God's, um, God's imminence, the, the fact that God is close to us, that God has revealed himself to us and desires to have that relationship with us, actually motivates us to go to him in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and along those lines, um, something I've noticed in a lot of Christianity generally uh, is that a lot of times believers are very uncomfortable praying. Um, and so we, we've talked a little bit about this already from God's perspective that, um, you know, God is not some God who's sitting there and going, oh, here you come again. Let's see, what do you need this time? You know, it's it's not that kind of a relationship there in prayer, uh, that God actually desires that we would come to him in prayer. Um, but beyond that, what what encouragement would you guys give to somebody who's uncomfortable praying, perhaps in a corporate setting, like they come to church? And they're with a small group or whatever, and they're just really uncomfortable praying with other people. Uh, what what kind of encouragement would you give to somebody like that? I
1: think probably the most most uh, we'll start with the practical, and then we'll move to the little higher to more spiritual. Uh, don't be feel bad about praying short. I think a lot of shorter prayers are more sincere. Just an example: mm-hmm. my church down at school that Kyle used to go to as well when I was at college we started doing a thing, it sounded funny, it called popcorn prayer, which sounds silly, but the way we did it is you would pray one prayer request and pray for 30 seconds to a minute, just a few sentences long, and you just go around, nobody's like a certain order or anything, you just go around the table for about half an hour, and it's amazing, you just build off one another, and it's nothing, it's not long, they're not 15 minute prayers, it's short, sincere, what you were praying for, and you move on. That's a practical don't be afraid. God's not impressed with the amount of words that we pray up to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, I think the thing that helps us with our prayers, again, we said this earlier, I think I did, actually, is the more you read the scriptures, the more you understand the scriptures, you are just repeating back God's words up to him. And it really is a freeing where I'm not searching for what is the perfect formula Mm -hmm. to say to God, I am praying the things that God wants me to do for myself and for others back to him. And that I think that also helps us to be a little more comfortable when we know what he wants to hear
2: yeah yeah and practically i mean in the context of a prayer meeting or gathering where we're praying together um on that note just you know pick up your bible open to one of the the um, new testament prayers or one of the psalms and and just just pray those that pray those prayers because those are already formulated into into prayers themselves even if you don't want to take other scripture that is not uh, prayer specific, pray those existing recorded prayers for whatever personal situation we we're discussing. Um, and it, as Kevin has said, it, it doesn't even have to be um, your own words. In fact, praying God's words back to him um, is uh, far more effective than praying our own words to God, where we don't know sometimes our own motives, and, you know, um, all
1: of that. I think uh, Pastor David, he on Sunday nights back when we had those um, was going through the Valley of Vision and those are beautiful. You can get the book very cheaply online and you can add those as part of your devotions. But the thing is about those, they're very beautifully done. And sometimes you think and you read them, you're like, wow, I wish I could verbalize this back to God. But as you look at them, they are mostly scripture with a few, you know, of their reactions to what they're reading or what they are praying. But as you like read them, and so even like those most beautiful prayers, if you would, from the Puritans in the 1600s, they are, again, God's word. I think Ian Bowne said that, that God delights hearing the words of his Bible being prayed back to him. Um, yeah. That I think is, again, another helpful.
2: And another thing as well is the, you, you know, the, the idea of the widow's might. Um, the poor widow who who came to the offering at the temple and Jesus and his disciples were there watching. Um, and Jesus observed the, the Pharisees and the rulers putting loads of money into the offering. Um, and the widow came in and she just put in like a penny. And he said that she's given more than, uh, than all of these. And the, the principle there is on in giving. But it also, I think, equally would apply to prayer. That um, the Lord is not looking for fancy words and lengthy prayers. In fact, he condemns that um in the sermon on the mount he says you know um that they stand on the street corners and make lengthy prayers thinking that they'll be heard um but they've already received their reward they haven't been heard at all um instead you know when you pray um pray to your father who's in secret and um take simple words like the widow's might and the lord the lord in our father in heaven will will hear
0: So what it sounds like uh, just noticing a trend um, of stuff that we've been, we've been mentioning throughout our conversation is that um, the strength of our prayer life depends in large part upon how well we know our Bibles um, and that they go in hand. Um, Somebody who has a low knowledge of scripture will probably have a low prayer life as well. Whereas when, when we're regularly taking in scripture and letting it change us, we're not just hearers of the word. We're hearers and doers. We're, we're being impacted by the word and it's changing us from the inside out. Um, As that is happening, then our prayer life sort of just kind of naturally comes along. But that being said, I also appreciate the idea that, you know, prayer is a discipline, which implies that it takes some work because there are a lot of times that I don't really feel like praying. um, And I don't, necessarily want to pray or i feel like i can't focus well enough to pray um and that doesn't liberate me from the obligation frankly to pray Mm. Um, and sometimes prayer is work it wasn't it won't always naturally just flow out of us Um, but that doesn't mean that we we put it on the shelf it doesn't mean that we set it aside it means we work at it um, so I guess in, in some ways, that would be one of my encouragements to people who are uncomfortable praying with others. The best way to learn to pray with other people is to pray with other people. Um, so maybe that means finding somebody that you can pray with that you, you would feel comfortable praying with. You know, um, Somebody that you are confident will not be harsh or critical or judgmental, but will also not leave you where you are, will encourage you in your own prayer life. Um, and getting together with them and praying together. I mean, that's. I mean, that's an idea. Um, and you know, I, I would say that's kind of my my encouragement encouragement there.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's it's encouraging to have people of all kinds of um, of maturity in the faith praying. Um, it's wonderful to hear new Christians praying and it's wonderful to hear old Christians pl- praying um, or mature Christians, Christians that have been around for a long time. Um, that, that diversity of prayer is, is a really wonderful thing. And it's encouraging to, to all of us. Um, so, you know, we're all in a, we we're all in, in, we, as Jonathan Edwards said, we just, if, if any of us are further along in life than another, um, we're just on a little little tiny dust of, uh, a hill of dust compared to another. You know, we like, we're all worms. We've got a great God and he hears our prayers um, in as far as we're praying them in his name, praying them in faith, um, and praying them with sincerity and fervency. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's keep it that way.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, as we're beginning to come to close to the end of our time together, uh, I wanted to give you guys uh, kind of a, a rapid fire opportunity. So we're going to kind of blitz through um, three of the, the, the last three of Pastor Phil's four responses, and we'll see if we can kind of blitz through these rapid fire. So um, I'll ask, I'll, I'll kind of read it. And then if David, you want to give your, your thoughts first, and then we'll hop to Kevin and we'll try to keep them real short and just like, boom, boom, boom. And we'll move through it. All right. Uh, So we've already talked about praying with persistence. Uh, Pastor Phil also encouraged us to pray with the right priorities. What are your thoughts there, David?
2: Well, again, back to the Lord's prayer. Um, The priorities of the Lord's prayer is, um, Maintain a focus on the glory of God's name, his kingdom, and his will first. Um, and then focus on everything horizontal. That would be one thing. And then the second would be, go back to James 1, and you'll see, again, priorities there. Um, that the asking for something with the right priorities is asking for something that you might not... Don't, don't ask for it to spend it on your own passions. Um, because then you'll certainly not be heard. Uh, so so those those would be just two perspectives on that.
1: Yeah, no, I think the glory of the God, that should be the center. That's cliche. But as you have the glory of God, uh, even as you talked about praying bold, when we have the glory of God filling our vision, then we're going to pray bigger for the right things as we pray for the world, our church,
0: um, and our own personal lives. Amen. Uh, the third response was pray with the right disposition. What are our thoughts there?
2: Well, it's, that's somewhat closely aligned to priorities, because if your disposition is inclined towards the glory of God and is, is outward oriented, um, it will, it will naturally uh, result in, in the correct disposition of heart that, that we need to have in our own prayers. Um, I think the, you know, one of the most important things in the Christian life is to curve less in on ourselves. As Martin Luther said, that sin is really a curving in on yourself. So, so let's, I mean, I think that's where um, we can just simply pray, Lord, help me to have the right heart as I pray. Um, help me to curve out of myself to you and to others.
1: I borrow the first two um, sections from the Lord's prayer. where you have worship where he is hallowing the name of the Lord. And then you have the submission where he's praying your will be done. And as you come to prayer with a heart of worship for who God is and what he's done, and then a submission to whatever he would have under his glory,
0: I think we'll have the right disposition as we pray. Amen. And the fourth one, participate when our church prays. Hmm. I, I really liked what he said. Sorry, I skipped you, David. I, I was excited. <laughs> I was actually waiting
1: for that. he said about our prayer, this has some personal aspects, but as a corporate, that our prayer helps each other persevere. That has direct, you know, a direct influence on one another as we walk and we persevere through our Christian, Christian lives. Ken gave a hearty amen. <laughs> I heard him up there. And that is true. As people have prayed for Ken, that has helped, God has used that in Ken's life to help him persevere through what he has done. And I think that is essential because we see it as we come to prayer meeting. I'm almost done. But as we hear one another, we pray for even the families this morning, as Pastor David prayed for our family and Julia. Like that is, God is going to use that in his grand designs and his sovereignty to help Pastor Phil and Julia persevere in their Christian walk. So I think tying that prayer to a person and God's working in that person is a very healthy and helpful thing. Sorry, I'm yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I I think the not only is it a critical sign of health in a church to have people praying together um but it's also just horizontally really encouraging to have a lot of people praying um so so don't feel don't feel like if you um if you're coming together and you don't know what to say it doesn't matter just like just pop a little popcorn prayer out just a single sentence or two. And it can be immensely encouraging to uh, the leadership for that matter. That's particularly one thing I think leadership need is, um, is a sense of involvement among the congregation Um, that, that really is needed. And it's a great encouragement to the leadership of a church to have that. Um, And, and yes, I mean, it stirs, it stirs us up to love and good works. So um, when we hear the the expressions of someone else's heart, um, it's a it's a sign and a token to us of, um, hey, wow, this is this is what they want. Like, Lord, help me to feel the same way about your word and about life that they're feeling. Um, and so it's it's sharpening one another as iron sharpens iron.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for taking the time to have this conversation, and thank you to our listeners for taking the time to listen to our conversation. Uh, We hope this has been a blessing to you. And uh, we want to close by reminding you that on our church's website, you will find more resources, more sermons, more podcast episodes, and even devotionals on our blog. Um, And that is fbcwm.org. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be back next week with another episode.